Dog Days of Podcasting, Day 23, Wednesday, August 26th, 2020. Today's topic, HIV, AIDS, Part 2. What's the virology of HIV? It's an RNA retrovirus, which means that upon infection of a cell, it produces DNA that inserts itself into the genes of that cell. HIV attacks CD4 helper T cells preferentially. These cells regulate the immune system. They send signals to CD8 killer cells, which then destroy the infectious particle. AIDS occurs when the CD4 helper T cells become depleted, leaving the body vulnerable to a wide range of infections or cancers that it would otherwise have been able to fight. So what are the important goals of anti-HIV drugs? Number one, control the growth of the virus. Number two, improve how well your immune system works. Number three, slow or stop symptoms. Number four, prevent transmission of HIV to others. Seems like good goals for many illnesses, if you ask me. The FDA has approved more than two dozen antiretroviral drugs to, to treat HIV infection. They're often broken into various groups because they work in different ways. Doctors recommend taking a combination or cocktail of at least two of them. This is called called antiretroviral therapy, or ART. The way these drugs work is fascinating. Every step a virus takes in its life cycle, episode 10, can be a point of attack. Many try to stop replication from occurring. For example, the original drug, AZT, made in 1987, which is now called ZDV, works by inhibiting the virus's ability to convert its RNA into DNA, a crucial step. Other drugs stop the DNA from inserting itself into into the host cell's DNA. Some drugs block the ability of the virus to attach to the host cell. Fusion inhibitors stop the HIV from getting inside the host cell. There are other drugs as well for other purposes, including drugs that limit the ability of HIV-positive individuals to infect another person. In 2012, scientists published data showing that a once-daily Truvada pill could significantly reduce the possibility of HIV transmission. Both HIV-positive individuals and high-risk HIV-negative individuals can take it. It is is apparently responsible for drops in HIV rates in large cities like San Francisco, New York, and Washington, all of which have funded robust programs to distribute the drug. Truvada seems to be two drugs in one pill, both of which block the ability of HIV RNA to produce the DNA. Must be a really interesting field of research, by the way. Side note, in 2003, President George W. Bush enacted perhaps the most consequential program of his presidency, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, which buys and distributes distributes life-saving HIV medications to poor people around the world, I believe uh, off, um, much in Africa is the largest ever government program devoted to fighting a single disease. 14 million are on treatment today because of it. Lastly, vaccines. We'll be on this for a little while. 
While ART, antiretroviral therapy, drugs are fantastic, they do come with problems. Number one, they're expensive. Number two, they have side effects. Number three, you need to take them every day for life. A vaccine would be better. The best vaccine would be one shot or one pill and voila, you're done. An HIV vaccine can be either a preventative vaccine or a therapeutic vaccine, which means it can either protect individuals from, from being infected with HIV or it can be used to treat HIV-infected individuals. And it can either induce an, an immune response against HIV, that's the active vaccination approach, or it can consist of preformed antibodies against HIV. That's the passive vaccination approach. In other words, the active approach gets you, gets your immune system to fight HIV. The passive approach gives you the antibodies to fight HIV. Obviously, scientists are working furiously on an HIV vaccine. For example, there appear to be some lucky individuals who are not really susceptible to HIV. They have antibodies to fight it off naturally, although I don't think these folks are ever completely free of HIV, but they don't get sick. Scientists have cloned their antibodies and they are being used in clinical trials. By the way, in 1984, Health and Human uh, Services Secretary Margaret Heckler said a vaccine would be available in two years. Oops, why is it so hard to create uh, an HIV vaccine? Three reasons I have. Uh, first, HIV mutates quickly. You may have heard of this. That evades the immune system. So if you make an, anti, uh, an HIV vaccine, it may only work for a very short period of time before the HIV is mutated and that particular vaccine doesn't work anymore. Second, HIV isolates are already highly variable. HIV can be categorized into multiple subtypes with a high degree of genetic divergence. Therefore, the immune responses raised by any vaccine need to be broad enough to account for this variability. So you really can't even have just a vaccine with one vaccine in it. It's probably going to have to have multiple vaccines in it. Or let me read this just to give you an idea. I, I found this on an HIA, NIH website or something. Here are several reasons why HIV is a challenging target. First, the sheer genetic diversity of concurrent HIV subtypes circulating recombinant forms and strains is greater than for any other virus except possibly hepatitis C. And this is reflected in the antigenic diversity of virus envelopes, which is the target of neutralizing antibodies. Second, the neutralizing epitopes are, for the most part, hidden beneath a glycan, which is a sugar, shield, which makes them inaccessible to antibodies. Third, although all strains of HIV bind to the CD4 uh, helper T cells, uh, cellular attachment receptor, the CD4 binding site resides in a pocket to which antibody access is restricted. Yeah, I didn't follow that all completely myself, but it kind of gives you a feel for how difficult things are. Uh, there is a third reason vaccine development has been slow. Live attenuated or weakened vaccines are highly successful against polio and measles and other viruses. 
but has not even been tested against HIV in humans. Reversion to live virus has been a theoretical safety concern that has to date prevented clinical development of a live attenuated HIV vaccine. In other words, researchers are simply afraid to use a live, even if weakened, HIV virus in a vaccine. How can we classify various types of vaccine approaches? Just like the HIV drugs, one can classify vaccines depending on which step of the, li of the life cycle it inhibits. Thus, a vaccine can block attachment, penetration, uncoding, replication, assembling, or releasing any one of those steps. It could also interact with the free virus, although I didn't really figure out how. I don't know if they mean a vaccine can just disintegrate the, the viral particle itself floating around. I don't know. Uh, I did read a number of reports of clinical trials. It's all pretty complex, and many of them with poor or mixed results. A February 2020 article suggested there were 40 trials going on at that time. Currently, the NIH is highlighting two trials it is funding. One is called Imbocodo, launched in 2016 in sub-Saharan Africa. The vaccine, if I read it correctly, actually contains five vaccines in it and is given in four shots over a period of months. This vaccine showed promise in monkeys. A second NIH-funded vaccine trial called Mosaico is being implemented in Europe and the Americas. This is in phase three, which is a big deal. That's a long way down the line. And it will enroll 3,800 HIV-negative men and trans transgender people, excuse me, transgender people aged six aged 18 to 60 years who have sex with men and or transgender people. Like the Imbocodo trials, this vaccine is made of components comprising elements from multiple HIV subtypes that aim to induce immune responses against the wide variety of global HIV strains. This quote from the director of, national, of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the U.S., Dr. Anthony Fauci, yep, that guy, gives you a feel for how difficult it is to fight, fight AIDS. Together with the implementation of existing HIV prevention and treatment strategies, the development and delivery of a preventative HIV vaccine that is safe and at least moderately effective would help bring about a durable end to the HIV AIDS pandemic. We are committed to pursuing multiple vaccine development strategies to achieve this goal. By the way, as I was preparing this, I was finishing this up just literally about 20 minutes ago. I was adding the last touches. Uh, about two hours ago, I got a science newsletter that I subscribed to in my email, and it described a new promising AIDS drug. Uh, and this one's a fusion inhibitor. They've only tested it in monkeys, and it's not even in trials yet, yet it was worthy of an article. Just kind of shows you how much interest still remains in making uh, an AIDS uh, vaccine or AIDS drug. More of them, more and better ones. Beyond vaccines, there have been other ideas proposed or explored. For example, why not just filter the virus right out of the person's blood? Sounds kind of logical at first glance, but consider how tiny virus, virus particles are. You can't just filter that out without filtering everything else out. There are ways to do filtrations that don't depend on size, though. So but I haven't heard anything about those types of filtrations, but it's a thought, you know, could you just 
run a person's blood through a machine and literally filter it out somehow. I also uh, just came across an article, a pretty darn recent article within the last couple of months, uh, describing a cure for a man in the UK via a bone marrow transplant. The man has now been HIV-free for 30 months without the need for antiviral medications, and doctors do describe this as a cure. The treatment was to transplant stem cells from a donor who had a relatively rare genetic mutation that confers resistance to HIV. That would be cool, although you know, stem cell transplants are not trivial, but it's a neat approach, especially, I mean, I'm sure anyone would do it to be cure and not have to take the drugs anymore uh, to be cured. A fascinating side note to all this, there is a whole group of HIV denialists out there. Yes, people who believe HIV either does not exist or that it's fairly harmless. Insofar as they acknowledge AIDS as a real disease, they attribute it to some combination of sexual behavior, I think predominantly homosexual behavior, recreational drugs, malnutrition, poor sanitation, hemophilia, or the effects of the medications used to treat HIV infection, such as AZT itself, the original one. I think there may be an element of racism in much of this as well. One famous proponent is Peter Duisberg of UC Berkeley, a superstar in retrovirus and cancer research for his discoveries in the 70s. I kind of remember this because I went to school at UC Berkeley and I remember this uh, controversy 20 or so years ago. Um, he even wrote a book in 1996 called Inventing the AIDS Virus. Duisberg asserted that, the, that AIDS in Africa is a myth, claiming incorrectly that the diagnostic criteria for AIDS are different in Africa than elsewhere. And it should be noted, uh, virtually no other scientists believe this guy, and he's kind of a pariah at this point. Um, but anyway, there you go. There are people who think you know, there's denialists everywhere in every field, right? Uh, finally, on the flip side to Duisburg, and on a little bit more positive note, I don't know how I got this far talking about AIDS without mentioning Robert Gallo. He did pop up in a much earlier episode, by the way. But I don't know how I went through these two episodes without uh, mentioning him. He's an American biomedical researcher best known for his role in the discovery that HIV is the infectious agent responsible for AIDS and in the development of the HIV blood test and he has been a major contributor to subsequent HIV research. Gallo was the most cited scientist in the world from 1980 to 1990. He's published over 1300 papers. On the other hand, uh, French researcher Luc Montagnier, if I say that right, probably not, his group isolated HIV a year before Gallo. It was Gallo's group that demonstrated that the virus causes AIDS and generated much of the science that made the discovery possible. Interestingly, in 2008, Montagnier and a colleague were, colleague were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for their work on the discovery of HIV, but Gallo was left out to the surprise of many, many people. Montagnier said of this, it was important to prove that HIV was the cause of AIDS, and Gallo had a very important role in that. I'm very sorry for Robert Gallo. There you go. Talk to you tomorrow.